How important is it not just to hear the Word of God, but to put it into practice in our own lives? Why should we build our lives on the rock instead of on the sand? What is the proper way to respond to God's Word? Chris and Murdoch tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And happy 2021. We made it. We, we are here. Yeah, we survived. Although uh, we're probably, as of this recording, we're about eight days in. And it still feels like 2020 somewhat. Yeah, there's still some shenanigans carrying over. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know why we think, oh no, it's this magical time of the, everything will just reset. It will be different. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Everything that carried on from last year is coming into this year. Although I have found that there have been differences, good differences in this year too, like blessings that just seeing God working. So I'm I mean, enjoying per- 2021. Perspectively, when I when I think about it, like, you know, everyone wanted this year to start off and just kind of that reset. Uh, from a Christian standpoint, what it really comes down to is that what we're reminded is no matter what day or year it is or the chaos, the one thing that is consistent is God. Yes. And, and that's something that's been hitting me in the first eight days is God is still God. He's God yesterday. He's God today. And his goodness, his faithfulness, everything that comes with the promises he has are still here for us today. So for me, yeah, eight days and still some craziness going on, but our God is still on the throne. So Yes, he is. So let's get into the podcast now, let's do it. as I've kind of done my intro rant there about the new year. But the podcast here, Sermon on the Mount, we are finishing it today. We are going through the last verses, 7, 24, through wherever it takes us to. I think it's 28, 29. 29? In my translation, yeah. Oh, mine's missing a verse. <laughs> I think we have the same one. <laughs> no, in the NIV today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 29. I typed 28 on my notes here, so my notes are wrong. But yeah, we're, we're finishing it off, and... and what a good way to finish it off, start this new year when we're looking at the wise builder and the foolish builder on basically Christian foundations. What are you laying your foundations on? But before we get into it, I kind of want to jump backwards a little bit, if that's okay with you. I will scroll up. How far back are we going? I want to go to not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, because when we did our show on it, which feels like uh, months ago now, we kind of got to the end of it and that part and kind of just went a little quickly because of time. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's some stuff that was just uh, that that's still there that I kind of want to touch in on. So picking up on verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoer. And when I look back at it, and, and as we go into foundations, because that verse right there leads us into what are we building our life on? Because we could be doing stuff, but are we doing stuff for God? And the thing that stood out to me the most was, the, the most interesting thing was, it's saying, I never knew you. He never knew you. God never knew you. It, it doesn't say that you didn't know him. But it's saying he never knew you. And I think it's so interesting that Jesus pointed that out. Because in the same context, they're saying, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? But he said plainly, I never knew you. I hear what you're saying about that he never knew us. But I think that who he'll be telling this to is that people who knew of him, right? Because we can say like, oh, we knew God. I was like, no, I think that you know of God. It's a relationship is the connection between two two or more people, you know? So when we're coming in that relationship with God, he knows us and we get to know him more and more through this life here. 
But when he's saying, get away from you, you evildoers, you who practice lawlessness, like that just shows that you didn't actually know God. Because yeah. when you know God and you enter into that relationship, he transforms you. So this is showing somebody who's just... Yeah, and I like that you brought up that differentiance between the, it's, 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 you knew of God, right? Because I, I think it's, I said in a previous podcast, it's easy to learn the religious vocabulary, memorize Bible verses, and sing religious songs, yet not obey God's will. And when we think about it, the demons did that. They knew of Jesus. When he came, they said, you're Jesus Christ, son of God. Like, and he said, be quiet. You know, don't, <laughs> don't say anything yet. They knew of him. They proclaimed him. Satan himself, when he tempted him, knew who Jesus was. But yeah, that distinction between knowing of and really knowing, putting, a, putting your life and building your foundation on him. One perfect example I could think of is Judas. Mm-hmm. For three years, Judas was there with him. Judas participated in some of the activities that was going on there. He heard the words of Jesus for three years. He even had his feet washed by Jesus. Yet he wasn't a true believer. He knew of, but did he know? I don't know. When you bring up that example, it's like, he knew Jesus, but I guess just not on that level, right? Mm-hmm. It just didn't penetrate down to his heart. It's just the hard hardest and they're, again, taken away by greed and sold out the Messiah. But I think that you coming back to this, I can just think of so many conversations that we've had over the past year that just really hit on this point, because this is talking to, as you said, religious people. You said it's easy to pick up on the religious vocabulary, and it's like, do you remember that conference we were at? And it was Chris Brown, and he was talking about Samson. Yes. The story of Samson. So was that Thrive Conference? Yeah, that was Thrive. Would that have been 2018? No, that was 2019. Okay, that was in the beginning it, of 2019. Yeah, it feels like five years ago <laughs> because of 2020, but it was all 2019. It anyway, was May of 2019. That was a great message. What well, I remember him saying from that is, how long can you go in your ministry before you'd realize that the presence of the Holy Spirit had left? Like, yes. could the Holy Spirit leave you and you not notice? How long would it take you to notice like, oh, the Spirit isn't with me? And he, he just tied that into what was going on with Samson. And I see that that's so easy to fall into here. Like, hey, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. Like we ran church, like we preached, we did, we had ministries. We, we even supported mi- missionaries and all this stuff, right? But is the presence of God with you? Is the Holy Spirit actually there? I don't know. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. Just... You know, when I thought about it was uh, that we can, we can trade activities for an act of faith. Mm-hmm. So we can say I'm doing and doing and I'm doing so much. Look at God. Look at what I've done for you. But that doesn't equate to you actually having an active living faith of Jesus living inside of you. And that faith, faith that's just, it's alive. It, it's doing more than, than doing something. But it's actually, I guess what I'm really trying to say is it's not the physical things that we do on the outside, right? Like the serving because I want people to see me. And because this is what the Sermon on the Mountain is. It's I was just going to say, that's it, exactly it, what Jesus has been talking it, about. It's questioning our motives. What are we doing and why are we doing it? What, what's the reason behind it all? And if we're thinking we're doing it so people can see us or for the appearance or the show or that I can work out my own salvation, meaning I can work my way to heaven, then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's not the faith that was talked about here. What is talked about is a faith that actually has a belief and a trust in our God that no matter what life takes them, God is still God. Kind of going back to what I talked about at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the kind of faith that as Jesus is talking about, he's not just saying, here's the types of things that you do, but here is the type of person who does these things. Mm-hmm. Or like right from the beginning with the Beatitudes coming in, right? And just like, here's what kingdom people look like. It's completely upside down and just like, yeah, cutting through to the heart with all, all of that plowing through. Yeah, that's quite the section. Yeah, it, it really is. I, I, that's a majority of what I've got for that. I, I think a lot of it comes into more the the second half. 
one of the other things I, I thought about too is just again looking at the 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 people because it's it's a real scary thought to this verse that he, Jesus can say away from me, and when we're doing and we're doing all these things, I guess the real focus in on this has to be at every moment in my life. I feel like I have to really check the reason why I'm doing it and who I'm doing it for, because. If I get caught up with myself and we've looked at hypocrisy and we've looked at false preachers and we looked at just the motives of why people do things. And when we've talked about false preachers, you know, one thing that's going on in America today is the celebrity pastor, the rock star pastor. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about even in our own motives. Why are we doing this podcast? Is it for fame? Is it for this and that? But the reality has to be if I'm just doing this for God, am I doing it to serve him and doing what I'm called to do? I can walk and trust and not walk in the fear of him saying away from you. And I think it comes down to the beginning of what Jesus said. Not everyone who see who says to me, Lord, Lord, went to the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father. And I think that's big because that's when he brings it. He who does the will of my father does enter in. And the ones that he says away from me is evildoers or people who practice lawlessness. And I think that that leads in this next section is just mm-hmm. as far as like, what are you actually doing? Because yeah. I know that you were bringing up a lot of things that we can do is in the sense of like, Lord, Lord. But I think that people who practice lawlessness are doing a lot of other things that God is just against, that just go against his commands, that go against everything that Jesus is teaching here within the Sermon on the Mount and teaches throughout all of his ministry. It's just like, yeah, there's the false hypocritical religious sense, but then there's just people who are just living a very godless life, even though they're, you know, could be professing. So... Yeah, what we do is important, but what also we do, who yeah. we are and why we're doing it. It's all linked together. Right. Yeah, let's go into the next part then. You want to read that? Sure. So continuing on verse 24, saying, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus just finishing this whole thing with, I have told you a lot of things. And he's just saying, a wise person is going to hear what I'm saying and put it into practice. Like, I've told you a lot, but what are you going to do with it now? It really puts responsibility on people to how do we respond? It's not just something that we can hear and walk away from like, oh, cool. Like, I'm glad that I heard that today. It's like, no, what Jesus is saying, it demands a response. Like, how are you going to build your life going forward? And how are you going to build that through your actions and those actions going all the way deep again to like our motives, right? Our thoughts and just all the way through what Jesus is talking about. But he's saying, cool, I've told you. What are you going to do? Because I can tell you the outcomes already, which is great. Just his authority and his teaching. Just like, listen to me, you withstand the storm. You don't listen to me, you fall with a great crash. Like, no doubt about it. This is the situation that you're being, you know, this the uh, choices that you're being offered, basically. I think it's interesting, too, that this falls in at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And again, not being there historically in time to actually hear this or how long this message was and right. what may have got caught and what may not have got caught in it. But to read it, it takes probably, it's two to three chapters. It, it could take you 20 minutes. If you're a good reader, I don't know. I, I, I don't read at a quick pace, so it takes me a while. But it, it reads it, and at the end of it, those who hear, right? He just got done talking, and we can do that a lot. We, we talked about this before the show started. We can t- listen and talk to somebody, 
and totally forget what they just said. I can forget what I just said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I could do it too. I, I could forget things people said. So this whole pandemic thing has been crazy because when we started our podcast, I remember us sitting down like, hey, do we even mention this is happening? Because like, what if in by the time we release the, the episodes, the, the pandemic or being locked oh, up yeah. wasn't even a thing anymore. But as time has shown us, you know, nine months later, here we are, we're still in the midst of it. But the, the crazy part about it has been the from online church to in-person church to online church to now being back in-person church, at least for, for us in California. Um, and I remember those times of being at home at church. I'm an avid note taker. When someone preaches, uh, I'll take notes because it's the only way I remember what they said. And I remember some of those first messages of sitting at home in the comfort of my couch and listening to Pastor Ken preach with my cup of coffee in my hand and my cell phone in the other one. And I wasn't taking notes because I didn't have the outline to fill in the blanks. I'm a, I love filling in the blanks. It's just, do you really? I really do. If someone preaches a message and I don't fill in the blanks, it just drives me nuts. Like, where? what was that point? Pastor Zachariah, who we had on the show, he preached a wonderful message yes. uh, uh, almost last year. And at the at, towards the middle of, or the turning to the second page of his notes, he said, I think I'll stop there to be continued. And he never continued. He never finished it. I still have that dang piece of paper at home waiting to finish those notes and those outlines. <laughs> Point being, I needed that. It helps me remember things. But when we were sitting at home, I can't tell you what those messages were about. I remember running one day thinking, oh, I could run and listen to, to the message. It didn't work. I was so distracted by all the other things. So we can hear what someone's saying but not listen. And this is what Jesus is getting at. I, I've laid out, this is how you are a, a follower of me needs to live. These are the things you don't do. These are the things you do. This is the way you should act. These are the things you should treasure. These are the things you shouldn't treasure. This is what you should worry about and what you shouldn't worry about. This is your life as a Christian. I've just laid it out for you. Now, if you listen, this is your life built on a foundation. The storm comes, you're fine. But if you don't listen, you sink away. And it's, there's so much to that. And I think it's so important that this was the last thing he said in this section because it's just telling us we can't just hear the word of God. We have to do what the Word of God says. We have to act in the Word of God. And we do have to lay that solid foundation down for our lives, that Jesus is that foundation. What is that foundation? It is the gospel of what Jesus did for us. Right, and what he did for us. That's where just with this is how he's ending his first sermon. And I've never paid attention to just like the impact of here's my first sermon, knowing that he was going to go to the cross. Right. And he's talking about I'm a firm foundation and how firm of a foundation when he's talking about, I will give you everlasting life. Follow me. Right. Just like the most sure foundation. And at the end of his life, he's crucified. But by the power of the spirit, God raises him back up to life again for eternal life. Right. And he's talking about, hey, there's destruction coming. We can lessen that to a lot of us. Like, hey, through life, storms come. Right. But when we think about what we're going to face, all of us, ultimately, that time when are we going to withstand what's coming? Judgment is coming, right? Mm. The judgment of the storm, like the storm of judgment is going to come. And where are we going to be found? And Jesus resurrected the Messiah, the son of God is saying, follow me. You will have everlasting life. You will, through that judgment, what we just read before, right? Are you going to be welcomed in? I like that. I never really thought of that. Neither did I until right now when I was hearing you talking, it just like sparked it. (laughs) I thought you had some great insight on this beforehand and you never shared with me. I was going to say, what a jerk. I didn't know that. But that's such a really good point of the the storm of judgment is coming. 
Will your foundation be shaken? Will he say to you, good job, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he say away from you, I never knew you, you evildoer? That, that's such a good idea because, again, when I think of foundation, my foundation has to be built with obedience. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Jesus is talking about. You know, those who do the will of the Father, those who listen and do what I've said, they're the house that's built that will be established. And when the storm of judgment comes, when it comes with all of its wrath and fury, they'll withstand because they built their foundation on me, on a life that was obedient to me. We're getting close to that break time, so I'm going to wrap up and then we'll kind of jump back into this part. But we have a commercial or a sponsor from uh, Creation Builders. No, no, no. Building Creators. Either way, they're not going to build a good house for you. Considering some work on your house? Concerned about hiring the right contractor? Many homeowners, they know what it feels like to be in this position. When you want the job done right, who are you going to call? Some might begin their project by looking up the professionals. But let us stop you right there. Have you ever considered wanting the job to be done okay? If so, make Builders Creations your first call. The crew at Builders Creation will struggle to get the job done right, not one time, not two times, but more than likely, several times. No guarantees, of course. Their foundation work is done with top quality beach sand, and they are the masters of hearing your words but doing nothing with them for over a decade. Builders Creation specializes in room additions, kitchen and bathroom remodeling, roofing, and everything in between, but aren't specialists in any of them. So remember, the next time you find yourself in need of work done around your home and you want it to be okay, think of no one else than Builders Creations. All right, so coming back from hearing Builder's creation, I think that one thing is absolutely sure as we jump into this next section is it it's what we're building, but where we are building makes all the difference. Guys, we're looking at two guys that are building, but the main difference and distinction as far as what I can tell here is that one guy built with his foundation on the rock and the other guy built his house on the sand. So yeah. I, I think I want to cut you off there because I, I do remember where we one of the things I want to get into before we jumped into that was the, I had said that the foundation was on obedience. And one thing that I wanted to drive home with that was that there's a difference between obedience because I do things because I have to. And what makes the Christian relationship with God so much different than any other religion is I'm not obedient because I have to, or I have to follow these rules. And if I don't follow these rules, I don't get into heaven. My obedience is basically because I love him. You want to. I want to. So once I felt the embrace of his love and how it's changed my life and what it's done to me, and for me, it's, it's a whole different story, but there are different people out there who have testimonies of where their love, life was drugs and alcohol, and there was this hard life, or maybe even if it was uh, caught up in sex or pornography, and then the freedom they received from God, that love that they received from him afterwards, it, it totally changed their life. And now, because they feel that love, they want to love back. And the way they, that we love back to God. It isn't by what we do. It's just by obeying what he's asked us to do. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. 
plain and simple. So I think what motivates our heart, what gets us to do things for him is that we simply obey him and we do it all out of love. And I serve out of love. I obey out of love. I do things for other people. It again goes into what Jesus has been saying this whole time. It's love God, love others. And this whole thing is just about love. But it is a, it, it isn't, I, I guess what I really want to make it clear as I keep saying the same thing over and over again is that it's, it's I love him because I know his love. Yes. I feel and have received his love. And that makes me just want to love him back. In any relationship, you love someone because you feel their love. Yeah, going back to that, it's the relationship is that we, through Christ on the cross, we have been reintroduced to our heavenly father. And in that relationship, we receive his love. You know, it's not some imagination of our mind is like, wow, I feel love like by my heavenly father, by our creator. I feel that. And then yeah, the only proper response to that is to love back, especially, I mean, reading through the Gospels and just seeing like, wow, here is the visible image of the invisible God. Like, I don't know the Father, but I know his son. I've seen him walk on this earth and just like, yes, I will definitely follow him because I want to. And uh, there's a preacher, Paul Washer, and he talks about the Gospel. They're like, okay, for whatever you think about the Gospel, has it changed your desires? Right to what you used to look at as rules in God's law, you now desire to follow them, right? You're not going as like, oh man, well, I guess I have to do this or I don't want to do this or I'm just not going to. It's like what the gospel does is it changes our desires. Now we delight in God's word, right? Now we seek to obey. It's not we're being forced, we're seeking to. If you can, I I know you got your, you want to get into what you're going to talk about, but if you can, for everyone who's listening, uh, let's, because I think you're better at it than I am, paint the the picture of what the gospel is as far as what Christians should understand the gospel. Okay, what we should know is, I mean, it really goes back to the Garden of Eden because that's where we see our Heavenly Father creating this earth as it was meant to be. And he creates everything to be good. And he creates mankind very good in his image. And our intentive purpose as creations were to represent God here on this earth in the physical plane We were working alongside him in the type of relationship you see with Adam and Eve and God in the garden. He would walk with them in the cool of the day. And it's like, that's the proper relationship that mankind and God are supposed to have. And from there, when you get into the language, it's really cool because Adam and Eve were sent that like the language used is both of kings and of priests. So we were put with dominion over this world to to rule on God's behalf. But then also that priestly function to go to God and stay in communion with him. And we see that when they sinned, that got lost. And that's why they got banished out of the garden. The, the relationship with the father was disconnected. Although God is full of love and forgiveness, right? So there was always the plan to redeem us back. And in order to keep that, he had a chosen people there called out. And the ch- purpose of the chosen people was he was He was communicating with them directly through prophets, through the law, through his spirit, right? His spirit guiding them through the wilderness even and just many miracles coming through. But that within his chosen people, there would be the Messiah, the promised one who is going to come and bring us salvation. And what we see through Christ is that the restoration that Christ brought was just like so immersive to us how jesus talks about he says you're going to be born again the spirit's going to move in you you're going to be born again it's going to be a whole new life you're going to be recreated and have this proper relationship with god and just everything flows from that point so all of these commandments that we follow our desire to follow them is because again it's that response to the love but then through that as we're hearing at this ending of this scripture is it 
keeping that relationship with God, that now that our eyes have been opened to him, we see him and his love. We see that he is welcoming us back in and we respond to that and enter in. It says that the, the, so f- we enter into the inheritance. God adopts us into his family. And as we continue in that relationship, yeah, when we get to the end, because we're all going to die, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. So like that's the wages of sin. We're going to die. We're mortal beings. But when we do die and we're met with what happens on the other side, which is we're met with God, we're standing face to face with him. Where we stand with him there is as children, and he welcomes us into his rest, into his heavenly kingdom. Then we get the whole thing of the recreation of heaven and earth, and just like we're going to have resurrected bodies. So it is the great hope that for us here on this earth as Christians, it's like this world is a struggle, but this isn't all that there is. Our home is in a different place. Our citizenship is in a different place. Our family is in a different place. And ultimately, God is going to restore his heavenly kingdom fully on earth which we saw with Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At the summation of everything, that will be creation yet again. So what Jesus accomplished on the cross was like the full reset, recreation, that eventually God and man being reunited, redeemed. And for even me just explaining what I did, there's a few different aspects in there that I didn't even touch on, that God conquered, or that Jesus on the cross conquered the the god of this world he conquered satan on the cross he won the victory he won the victory over death which is the resurrection won the victory over satan against every wicked power and principality in the spiritual realms like there is just so much to this thing i don't know if i touched on what you were wanting me to i got excited to start talking about it (laughs) (laughs) no because i think it's important because in our in our christian life our foundation it, it has to be built on the understanding of what the gospel is, because if I don't understand the gospel, if the gospel isn't my foundation, if it isn't what I lay my life down on and build upward on, then I'm not doing, I'm not building, I'm not laying my life on the right things. So yeah, we talked about the storm of judgment coming, but when we put this into a, an application of the storm of life, yes. If if I don't know the truth and if I don't have the gospel actually what I should know of what the gospel is as my foundation, when the storm of life comes, then I get tossed aside, my house, whatever I built. And, I, and what I like about this story and this, the, the wise and foolish builder is each person was building something. The, there was the wise builder was building a house. The, the foolish person was building a house. The, the question that comes in, though, is what was the foundation? And that was the real problem. They were building a house, but the foundation is what was needed to be worked out. Both houses seemed secure. Both houses had a roof. Both houses had the walls. But the foundation was faulty. So when we're not building on the gospel, and, and to me, I loved your, your total from Adam and Eve, walk through the New Test, Old Testament, get us to Jesus and all that description, because I think that's important for all of us to understand that from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelations, it is the gospel message of, of God. Yes. And to me, the gospel in my simplest form is I get God. Yes. And if that's not enough for me, if getting the God isn't enough, then that's when we come back to that verse. He'll say, I never knew you. Right. So with never knowing, so we see in that section, hey, Lord, Lord, I did these things in your name, right? How do we get on that foundation? And I think that that's part of the gospel that I didn't mention earlier. But like you're saying, we get God. That is the gospel is we get God and God gets us. But that process is that what Jesus is calling people to hear is repent, turn from the way that you're living, turn to follow me now in the direction that I've given you. And that in that repentance, the greatest thing 
that when Jesus was on the cross is that he shed his blood for us and in his death he took on death but he also took on our sin so that when we come to approach God in this relationship because we're hearing the good news you can approach God now and receive forgiveness Jesus paid for that forgiveness with his Mm -hmm. own blood the death that was due to us because of our sin he took that on and he said it's been forgiven now so that through that act of being forgiven that we can enter into God's presence pure because again we got kicked out of the garden because we were impure we followed sin and temptation right so now that we've been forgiven and made pure of that and God's spirit can inhabit us so it's in that act of repenting we're hearing what God what Jesus is saying we're believing that and as a result we're repenting from what we were doing entering in and we're allowed to enter in because of the forgiveness that happened there again it's so multifaceted mm-hmm. that as you were talking it's just like yeah, that's gospel too. I have this quote is from D.A. Carson, and it's Great. it's more applicable towards um well the his thing is saying to the church in general mm-hmm. and what the church builds. But I wanted to make it personal. So when you hear this, anyone who's listening, when I say the word church, think of put your name in there. Basically, the quote is this: If what is being built is the church of God, the only possible foundation is Jesus Christ, or more fully, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If anyone tries to lay down some other foundation, then it must be for some other building. As we sit here and talk about this and talk about the gospel and what Jesus did, that's what our foundation needs to be built on. And if anything, anybody builds uh, off of that, it has to be for another building. Or if they're building, if that's not the foundation, if it's anything other than that, then they're building something else. And when I think about it, when I live my life for me, the foundation is me. So I'm building a kingdom of Chris. I'm building a Chris kingdom. Or if I build off my life the foundation of wealth, if I build the foundation of lust, what I build up is the lust kingdom or, or, or a wealth kingdom, or even if it's getting to the top. In our culture and our world that we live in today, you want to talk about going against the grain? It's not about being the most popular, famous person around. It's being a Christian, a follower of Christ. That's what God tells us. Servant, not head of the table. We want to be the, that person who's serving. And I got to cut you off. You're triggering off so many things because I'm hearing what you're saying. and just like, yeah, these kingdoms that we can build up, it's not just like you're building up one of them at a time. Like when you are out in the world or just following not Jesus, right? Then all of these things are being erected in our minds, right? These are what the scripture calls strongholds. And we can have lust strongholds and success strongholds and all those things happening at the same time. And when Jesus is coming in right here saying, you either listen to me or if you don't, and here's what happens. He's saying, I need to become sovereign. I need Mm -hmm. to become king. As you're saying, there's the king and there's the servant. And Jesus becomes master at that point. He says, you need to follow me in order to withstand the storm. But that means that a battle takes place and that's a spiritual battle in our lives is this kingdom of lust has been built up scripture calls it a stronghold and we need the spirit to come in you know and fight that battle and take down that stronghold because otherwise i think that that leads to a lot of hypocrisy we see in the church too is that where we fall where we fail to let jesus rule then we let something else rule and it creates like you know yeah, both of those things are trying to exist simultaneously in life, and that's called hypocrite. <laughs> right, and, and I think that's what we need to really check on, what's being, what the foundation is. And you, you have to start at the foundation. That's mm-hmm. the most important part, because like I said, if, I, if I'm building off of me, then I'm building a Chris kingdom. And this is where going back to the narrow road with the small gate, right? And the narrow gate is just like, how can you say Jesus is the only way? It's like, because there's only one foundation. He's saying he is the foundation. It, what it comes down to, and again, why the foundation has to be built on the gospel is because... 
the gospel isn't about what I did. It's about what God did. And if I start building kingdoms off of what I do, then I'm building a Chris kingdom. Understanding that, and I think we're kind of talking about this a lot, but I really think it's important for people to understand that our foundation in life has to be the gospel of what God has done from us. From Genesis 1 to the end of Revelations, I want to say chapter 22. Sure. Sure. If, if I'm wrong, it's 21 or 22. I know it's Genesis 1. <laughs> that I know for sure. Right. But if it's if, from there to there, that's what the whole book is about. It's laying this, this whole foundation of God in our lives and that he has to be our foundation. And if I start making myself a foundation off anything else, then I'm not building a kingdom for him. I'm building a kingdom for myself or like we said, those strongholds. And that was a really cool. I love that you cut me off because that's a great idea and what we're doing is that again if we're building stuff off of my anger or lust or greed or whatever that temptation or that thing is then I'm building a stronghold there and yeah it got to get wiped out and then the foundation is now laid out that we can build up a kingdom for God there. Uh, Martin Luther says this the doctrine is a good and precious thing but it's not but it is not to be preached for the sake of being heard but for the sake of action and its application to life and and I bring that up because I want to get into the point of where he talks about who hears and does, mm-hmm. because I think that that's the the the, the that's the thing there for it's, us. It's both. We yeah. need the foundation, but then you need to build. Yes, exactly. That that's what I was trying to get to. Is we need the foundation, and then we need to to build, and and that's what Martin Luther says. I think that's all I really got for for that whole section. But the Sermon in the Mountain, the whole, unless you want to add something in before we jump into kind of tying up everything for for our show. Yeah, I just, when you said that to bring it to that point of it's, it is what we do, is that, man, I feel like right now what we need to do, I mean, we're your church friends, right? We, we're church friends, we're your church friends, and just like part of stepping into that obedience and, you know, finding that foundation, because I think as we look through 2020, and like we can be hopeful for 2021 and we have reason to hope in Christ, but yeah, like looking at the world and storms coming, is that scripture says that it starts with God's people, that we need to cry out to him. We need to repent. Hmm. You know, we need to come more fully into this obedience. We need to repent from disobedience and come into, okay, is what, what have you taught us to do? What are the things? What are these good works that you've set out before us? We need to start there. Looking at everything in a whole, storms are coming, and the idea is be ready for them. Yes. But if you're building something that isn't supposed to be there, then you're not ready for when that storm comes. And so that's when you get rocked. That's when you get hit. I, I've had plenty of storms, and I know you have too. So we, we're not just two guys sitting here telling you guys, hey, make sure you're building on the right foundation. I've had storms come in my life. And because at that point in my life, I wasn't building on Christ. I was building on Chris. I got rocked, and I got rocked hard yep. to where I was serving in ministry. I was pastoring at a church. And I stepped away for two years. And when I looked back at it, the, the moment of clarity, which has been, I, I would really say going back to the Chris Brown Thrive Conference thing, is that I had to reassess and look, what did I build my life on? And it wasn't the foundation that it was supposed to be. So then I had to understand what the foundation was, understanding really what the gospel is, because the gospel isn't about, oh, I get into heaven. Which is great. Which is great. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. But the gospel is you get God. Yes. And I think that's more powerful. Understanding uh, getting into heaven just goes to my own vanity of luxury and living in a place where I feel free of whatever burden I have, which are good things. 
We can also get a different view of heaven. <laughs> but we can miss, yes, exactly. We can get a wrong view of heaven. And when I think about that the gospel is God, I get God. That's all I get. Mm-hmm. And that's enough. Then when the storms come, I still got God. When when things get rocked and we enter into 2020 and March hits and everyone's told to stay in their house and a pandemic's coming, I, I still got God. When I'm losing friends and loved ones because of this thing, I still got God. When social injustice is happening and we're seeing the corruption within our own governmental politics and so forth, and I could go on in a bigger rant about that, I still got God. And no matter who's sitting in in the White House, my God is still sitting on his throne. And it allows us to rest exactly peace because we trust what Jesus is saying. Or like both of us have had experience. Like you said, I built in a wrong place too, and that got demolished. And I just like really experienced the depths of God's grace that even after a situation like mm-hmm. that, he still goes, come on, son, come on, <laughs> like right. come to where it's safe and let's build now. Like, I'm not casting you out because of that. Did you learn your lesson? Like, you know, come in now and from building from that spot and just knowing it's a knowing that I just trust Jesus. And it's like, I'm doing what you say. And I trust that you're a firm foundation. And from building, you know, rebuilding again from that point, it's like, yes. It's been true. And it brings peace because <laughs> yes. it's like, I don't need to worry about the world because he has me. Yep. And I still got him. And I think that's the most important thing we need to understand about building our foundations. But the Sermon on the Mountain whole, what I really liked is it's basically filled with two opinions. And I got this from one of our commentaries that I read. It's, it said the Sermon on the Mount itself is filled with two opinion thinkings, Pharisees versus followers of Jesus, hypocrites versus followers of Jesus, good treasures versus bad treasures, good eye versus bad eye. God versus mammon, anxiety versus sinking the kingdom, and all this swirls into a vortex of warning in Matthew seven thirteen through 27, the broad way versus the narrow way, the good tree versus the bad tree, and, and doing versus not doing. And to me, that, that, that was probably one of the best ways to sum up the Sermon on the Mount when you look at all these chapters and verses. Like that, there it is, there's two opinions. Am I going to be a Pharisee or a follower of Jesus? Am I going to be a hypocrite or a follower of Jesus? Do I want good treasure or bad treasure? Do I want anxiety or do I want to build a kingdom? Am I going to take the broad way or the narrow way? Am I going to be good fruit or bad fruit? And I think when it, when it all comes down to that, the final test of all of it is what will God say about me as a person in my life? And what choice did I make? What opinion did I go with? Because we, we're, we're stuck with that. That's what we face on wanting a relationship. With. To get God, you have to answer that question. What opinion do you want to follow? What thought process do you want to go after? Do I, do I want to live for myself? Well, then I'm going to be a hypocrite. If I, do I want the good things? Do I want the narrow way? But it all has to come down to, do I want God and is that good enough? So I, I really like that. I thought it was a good thing. And with that, I know that you're saying two opinions and I, I like that commentary. But what Jesus is saying with, you know, through this whole sermon is he's saying, I am the truth. You know, he's saying you can listen to opinions, but I am the truth. And if you build your life on the truth, you'll withstand and I think that for as much as people can listen to our podcasts or listen to preachers, or listen to all kinds of stuff, right? Or even as we're getting in commentaries. But I think you said earlier, it might take about 20 minutes, you know, if you wanted to read through Matthew 5 through 7 and read the Sermon on the Mount. And I say, after hearing this podcast, go and do that. Take the 20 minutes. Because when Jesus had finished with the sermon, it tells us in verses 28 and 29, when he finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. So read it for yourself. And are you amazed by what Jesus is saying? Even if you've heard it before, like we've 
been raised western society is based on a lot of christian ethic and a lot of stuff so it's not like completely mind-blowing probably but read through it with the intent of do i actually know god which of these sides do i fall on like you're saying am i on the side of the follower of jesus or am i on the other opinion because it is a thing that all of us have to decide and look at for ourselves. like we need to answer that question and i think that i love tearing it apart with you but I would say recommend to anybody hearing us, go read it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we all need it. I, we've needed to read it for ourselves too. Yeah, the worst part about that is when you brought that up, I'm like, oh, great. I could preach another 20, 40 minutes on that little section alone that yes. the people were overwhelmed. And the one thing I just want to say with it, and I'm not going to keep it long, is that uh, does God's word still overwhelm you? Mm-hmm. And that's a good question we need to ask ourselves because when I read God's word, does it still overwhelm me? Because I could tell you at a point in my life, there were times where I was just doing it to make it a, it was part of my day. It was dry. Yeah. And I check, done. I got it out of the way with. But there's definitely been a point now where God's word, it, it does permeate. It overwhelms. I read something and I'm just sitting there. I think we've talked about it. I may have mentioned it on one of the earlier podcasts. I, I got done reading Psalms finally. But I think I, I said to you at one point, why hasn't anyone told me that Psalms is, is this great? Like, it, it's such an amazing <laughs> book. Like, it's, it's awesome. Psalm 119 is like my favorite chapter in the Bible now. But I have read that 50 to 100 times before the last time I just got done doing it. And it never stood out until today because at that moment, God's word was now overwhelming me. And I think it's, a, it's something that we have to really, really put ourselves in there and ask. Because if God's word doesn't overwhelm you, there's got to be, the, you got to look at it. Something's not right. There's a disconnect. Your relationship isn't there. What's your foundation work? Try something new. Right. If yes. you realize that where you're at isn't working, try something new. So I think that, yeah, reading through, if even just reading it, you're not overwhelmed and, and not brought to that point. It's like, OK, indicator light just came on. Got to try something new. Exactly. Like, that's the warning. And for me, it can be as simple as like one of the things that I've enjoyed most with reading my Bible lately is my daughter got me a it's got room for notes in the margins. She got it for me for Christmas. And just like I've never journaled really in that way when I've read the Bible. I have just been filling up every single page when I read. So, yeah, an issue can be an inner heart issue, or it can just be try something right, new. Try some, if you some, know that you love God, if you know that you're being obedient, but some of your spiritual practices are a bit dry. Put some worship music on while you're reading. Yep. Pray before you get into it. But yes, that, that's a great point. I, I do think all of that. And like I said, we're, we're way past the point of where we should be on the show. Uh, so uh, I think we'll wrap up there. I, just letting people know what we got going on. So this is the last part for me and you doing the Sermon on the Mount. But going into it, we have Brittany coming on the show. What's her last name again? Yeah, my friend Brittany Tinney. And we're looking at the uh, Sermon on the Mount from a Jewish perspective. Yes, she brings in a lot of the roots there. We're going to revisit the Beatitudes, and then we have uh, someone, I think next week, I have my old pastor, Robert, coming in with the Christian Foundations, kind of looking at this from a deeper perspective. And then we're going to end with Mark Clark will be on our show, and he'll talk about all the Sermon on the Mount with us. And that's going to end this, this season, I guess. We'll take a little break from the show, and then we're just going to have some interviews with people we've been wanting to talk to as our friends, because it's your church friends. So we're going to bring in some friends. I'm and talk to, to them. That. Me too. And then after that, I think we're going to jump into the next season after that. We'll be looking at some villains. So this is what's coming up in 2021 for your church friends. We've got a lot of things in the works. But to anyone who's journeyed with us from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount or caught up and then went back and who's listened to this, we just want to say thank you. Big thank you. Big thank you. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And we're going to continue to just put out God's word because that's what God's put in our heart for no other reason but to put out God's word. I'm Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we are your church friends. Thanks for listening. I almost forgot what I say at the end. (laughs) (laughs) That was an awkward thing.
He's got those luxurious used cars. He's got those lavish used cars. He's got those glorious used cars. And he's got the used car for you. Who you ask? Well, it's Jimbo of Jimbo's Used Car Lot. Sure, they're a little rusty and maybe filled with moths, but don't discredit them. Jimbo guarantees his used cars will soon be the treasures in your eyes. You'll never have to worry about thieves breaking in and stealing these gems. Don't buy a new car and let monthly payments be the master of your money. Buy a used car at Jimbo's and show the world where your treasures really are. Jimbo's Used Car Lot is adjacent to the Beef Gristle Mill across the street from the Anger Emporium. Come by and find your treasure today.